Welcome to the Portionality Podcast, a curiously sermonic podcast playground for adulting over 30. Because let's keep it real, life will keep lifing with swift transitions, but together we can honor the moments we are in and keep on living. I am your host, Portia Williams-Gates. Join me every Wednesday as we grow and live together. Greetings, everyone. Thanks for coming back to the podcast. If you have not done so already, just do me a favor and like and subscribe to this podcast. Please share it with someone. If you feel like giving, you can give to our PayPal. The link is found in the description box on this episode. All right. So this podcast episode today, it is uh, in celebration and commemoration and in marking the occasion of Mother's Day. And so I know that for many, Mother's Day um, can be a joyful celebration as it is a complicated one um, because no matter where we are in relationship to motherhood and mothering, we all have some sort of connection to motherhood. Whether it is um, with our own mother, I want to acknowledge and remember all of those who may have a strained relationship with their mother or those who may have lost mothers on this day. Um, I want to think about those mothers who have lost children, um, whether there were children who passed at birth or children who passed as adults. Um, I also want to uh, lift up and think about the mothers who want to give birth but having complications because of fertility. I also want to think about the families who have had failed adoptions and thinking about families who have uh, just a complicated relationship with this day. Um, you know, there's beauty in it, but there's also some pain because, you know, like I said, strained relationships, um, desiring the need to be mothered, desiring a relationship with mother, uh, desiring a relationship with children, right? Because some mothers have an estranged relationship with their children. Um, and there's so many complicated things with this day. Um, and so uh, wherever you find yourself on this day, know that, my prayers are with you and that you are in my thoughts today um, because I know it can be a challenge as it is also a celebration um, for many. Um, But I also want to shout out in particular to all of the single mothers who have been doing this thing of mothering and parenting by themselves. I want to say, I see you. You are not alone. I want to say, I see you to every woman in particular who wants to conceive but has had issues because because of fertility, I see you. Um, I see you. I see you who have had complications um, in childbirth and child labor. Um, I see all of the women who have passed due to childbirth. Um, I see them as they are on the other side, and I um, am praying for the elevation of their spirits as well. So, without further ado, I want to share with you all a sermon that I preached on Mother's Day in 2022. I preached Mother's Day and I want to share that sermon with you. Um, There's so many things that have happened since then, especially around the bodily autonomy that we know of Roe versus Wade that was overturned by the Supreme Court. Um, So there have been so many things that have happened since this sermon, but I do think there is still a word. So wherever you find yourself on this day, I do pray that you are blessed. And like I said, I see you and I'm lifting you up. So without further ado, Here is the sermon, and it's entitled Taking a Lesson from Tabitha. Blessings. If you would please turn with me to the book of Acts, to the book of Acts, chapter 9. 
We're going to read verses 36 through 43. Amen. And it reads like this. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the windows, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. I ask that you would pray with me now as I will tag this text, taking a lesson from Tabitha. Taking a lesson from Tabitha, most gracious and eternal God. God, how we thank you. God, we thank you for being alive just one more time. So God, whether we are in the sanctuary or whether we are tuning in virtually, God, we ask that you would have your way with us in this preaching moment. God, we ask that you would speak now. Speak, Lord, for we, your people, are listening. God, these words before me absolutely have no power unless you breathe on them. So God, breathe on them with that same breath that you used to create all of creation. So God, breathe. God, I ask that you would continue to raise up in this moment. In Jesus' matchless name, we do pray. In every heart, in every heart, said amen, amen, and ashe. Taking a lesson from Tabitha. That's right. Amen. St. Paul, it is no secret that today is Mother's Day a day that has been set apart in the calendar with the intention to celebrate and acknowledge the sacrifices of mothers. Yet we know that this day can bring up an array of emotions as we consider that it may not be joyous for everyone. You see, motherhood is complicated, complex, and it's not always a clear cookie cutter as we like to make it out to be. The journey to motherhood isn't always easy. So I want to say to every woman that has a desire to be a mother, but perhaps the journey hasn't always been easy with conceiving, to the women who struggle with infertility, to families that have had failed adoptions, to foster mothers, to the women who are still deciding if motherhood is even for them to, uh, as society places pressure on their wombs, may we make space for new mothers, to first-time mothers, to teenage mothers, to married mothers, to co-parenting mothers, to mothers who've had children over 40, to single mothers who are all trying to figure it out. May we make space for empty nesters whose children are now grown and don't always give a phone call or a card, to the mothers with children with strained relationships we see you, to stepmothers and 
bonus moms holding it down for kids that you didn't birth, we see you. To the mothers who have miscarried and have angel babies, we see you. To the mothers who have children who were grown who are now ancestors, we see you. To the children and adults who have lost their mothers and now your mother is an ancestor, we see you too. And we of African descent know that motherhood goes beyond birth and biology as we have raised children of our sisters and our daughters and nieces and cousins in addition to our own children. So shout out to all of the aunties, grandmamas, big mamas, mama, nana, god mamas, spiritual mamas, dog mamas with fur babies. We see you too. <laughs> in the words of the late Tupac Shakur, ladies, I know it's hard out here, but ladies, keep your head up. Keep your head up. Motherhood is complicated, complex, and not always clean cut and cookie cutter as we make, like to make it out to be. It's not the decision of the government, be it local, statewide, or national, that gets to have a say in what a woman gets to do with her body as it pertains to this decision regarding motherhood. Uh, this week, many of us heard about the leak and the drafted information that came from the Supreme Court of the United States as it pertains to versus Wade. In this draft, the majority of the justices were prepared and are prepared to overturn Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court case that gives the decision and the right to women to have a safe abortion in the United States. Now, mind you, this is only a draft, and as of today, it is still legal to have a safe abortion in the United States. But we must be concerned about this leak because it shows us the truth about who's leading our nation and the kinds of setbacks that we are up against. You see, overturning Roe versus Wade is deeply problematic as there are over 20 states that are prepared right now to immediately place restrictions on safe abortions and reproductive care if it's overturned. You see, these people who are anti-abortion call themselves pro-life, while those who support abortion are called pro-choice. I see words matter. Now, if those who claim to be pro-life I have a few questions if you're tuning in. How can you say that you're pro-life when it comes down to abortion but you stay silent on the death penalty? How can you say you're pro-life but you refuse to acknowledge that black lives still matter? How can you be pro-life and then still be pro-guns? Tell me, how does that work? And if we're honest, it sounds like pro, uh, pro-life is more like pro-whiteness in their context. And when are you going to have the nerve to say that it's the will of God and you come in the name of Christianity as if that's some type of moral high ground for ethics? Newsflash, America has no moral high ground when it comes to ethics in the justice system. You can't be pro-life and pro-prisons. You can't be pro-life and refuse to raise the minimum wage and pay women what they're worth. You can't be pro-life and cut down the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. You can't be pro-life and fail to restore voting rights to returning citizens. You can't be pro-life and refute the Affordable Care Act. You can't be pro-life and wishy-washy when it comes down to taxing the rich. You can't be pro-life when you refuse to cancel student loans. You can't be pro-life when you refuse to give paid maternity leave. You can't be pro-life and not provide affordable housing when we have a homeless crisis. You can't be pro-life when 992 
100,000 people have died from COVID and you still refuse to wear your mask and get the vaccine, you can't be pro-life and protect and refuse to protect queer and trans folk. You can't be pro-life and overturn Roe versus Wade, forcing women and girls to put their life at risk when it comes to reproductive health and fail to realize that Roe versus Wade is about health care. Stop trying to control everybody's body. Pro-life don't work like that. So if you say you are pro-life, you better come with liberation that is for everybody. Because here's the thing, words matter. And really when folks say that they're pro-life, what they're really is trying to say is that they're anti-abortion and that they're anti-choice. Ah, here's the thing. You don't have to like abortions, but you don't get to choose that for someone else. And the government shouldn't regulate what happens to women's bodies or queer people's bodies or anybody's bodies. And to anyone that has ever had an abortion and made that decision, I want you to know today, whether it was by choice or personal emergency, I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that you don't have to be ashamed in your decision. I want you to know that you are loved by God on this day. If we're going to walk in a life with power of resurrection, we have to be clear on what liberation looks like. Abortion and reproductive rights are about health care, y'all. And when we don't give the women the right to have safe abortions, we increase the risk of death. And here we are in our text for this morning. A woman named Tabitha has died. Tabitha in our text has died. She got ill. We don't know what she got sick from and what caused her to grow ill, but we knew that she grew ill and she died because she did not have access to proper health care. Come on, somebody on this morning. A woman who was loving and kind and charitable and supportive. She was a leader in her community, died because she was ill. Do you know the leading cause of death amongst black women? The top five are heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, and Alzheimer's. But I believe if we aren't careful and if we don't make space for women to have access to healthy reproductive health care, we're going to see reproductive complications on that list too. This is about health care. Ladies, if we're going to live long and healthy lives, we need not only be concerned about the welfare of ourselves, but we need to be concerned about the welfare of other sisters. We need to be able to advocate for the rights and protection of all women around us, even if we don't know her well. The story of raising Tabitha from the dead parallels the journey and the story of Jesus raising Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter 8, which is important because we know that Luke is also the author of Acts. Uh, we, and we might consider and remember that uh, in Sunday school that Luke was a physician, right? A medicine man, a man of healing. And Luke understood prognosis and diagnosis and still connected science and spirituality as the two are not mutually exclusive, amen? Luke reminds us that science and that matters of the spirit can absolutely work hand in hand. And just like Luke documented the healings that Jesus did, Luke reminds us that healing was not just for Jesus alone, but also the disciples, now apostles, also had access to that same healing power that Jesus had. And now they're worshiping and witnessing and working on behalf of Jesus in this newly established social political movement called the church. In this story, people send after Peter for Tabitha after she has already died and has urged him to come immediately. 
People laughed when Jesus suggests that the young woman was only sleeping. But in this story, uh, the people believed that Peter could raise Tabitha from the dead. Ah, uh, you see, in one chapter earlier on, people laughed at Jesus. But do you see here, people believe that Peter can. Why? Because people believe that Peter had witnessed enough resurrections from Jesus to Lazarus, to Jairus' daughter, to now knowing that this thing actually works. You may be saying, Pastor Portia, why are you bringing all this up? I'm bringing it up because we need more women and men who are like Tabitha in our text for this morning. Through this text, we understand that Tabitha is first a woman who has got it going on because she had the means to give generously. You have to have means in order to be giving. Tabitha was a giving woman, and Luke suggests that the widows showed us that Peter that the women showed Peter the robes and other garments that Tabitha made and also highlights her ability to care for them financially and her commitment to serving them. Do you know any women like that in your life who are committed to serving the people around them? Secondly, we understand that she was giving and committed to the good deeds as she was constantly ministering to others. Do you know any mothers like that? In a culture where the wealthy are often having the proclivity to hoard resources, Tabitha was guided by an ethic of care and compassion for others. She was especially committed to serving the widows who were at the margins of society. The widows and the orphans in particular are the women and children who have no covering in society. And in this Tabitha's time, a woman without a husband was at risk. Jesus told us to care for the widow and that assignment wasn't just for the mothers but also for forming communities of women to care for one another. We don't know if Tabitha has a husband but we know that her compassion and care allowed her to build a beloved community and that becomes her extended family. Sometimes community can become family. I have many mother figures outside of my own mother and I love my mama. Amen. My mother has a community of girlfriends friends from Felicia to Cynthia to Carrie, Miss Lily, Rhonda, Phyllis, Denise, Lori, Margaret, and even her sister Deborah, just to name a few. But when I was a little girl, there was Miss Angela. Miss Angela would host block parties and she would run a daycare out of her own home. But she became then a foster mother to other children in the community and actually legally adopted some of those children that she fostered. Miss Angela built a community of care by keeping her doors open to other mothers and other children. Community is bigger than biology and to this very day, every holiday you can think of, Miss Angela has an open party for the community. Lottie, Dottie, and everybody is invited. You can always count on Miss Angela. She's the kind of woman that this uh, gets up before the sun and is the last one to go down at night. Mothers of the community who make sure that everyone has a place at the table. Thirdly, we know that Tabitha didn't need a title to do the work. She was committed to the work even without a title. Now, I'm not saying that woman, that women that do the work shouldn't have a title. Yes, give us all the titles. Yes, especially black women because we deserve them, we earn them. Yes, give us all the titles, amen. But what I'm also saying is that Tabitha did not allow the fact that she lacked the title from keeping her from serving. Tabitha became a prominent disciple, not because of any familiar connections or even because of her possible wealth, but because of the networks that she built with the widows, the most marginalized in the community. Her ministry reminds us that the early church's commitment was to ensure that no widow was overlooked in the everyday needs. Her story is significant because of her gender, and she was never really a formally appointed a deacon or into any leadership 
position, but she served as an equal. You see, Tabitha was dedicated to serving the widows and was well-loved by them. Her story stands out because of the impact of her ministry, but also because she did not lack the, the, the formal leadership titles undermine her ability to serve the most vulnerable. Are you willing to serve the most vulnerable even when you don't have the title, even when you don't have the position, and better yet, even when you don't feel like it? Come on, somebody. Can we still serve even if we don't have all of the titles? Can we get over ourselves and say, this is what God would have me to do? And here's what else we learn from Tabitha's death. In our text, when Tabitha dies, the women mourned. The women gathered to mourn her loss to the community because it was significant. The women were the ones who sent for Peter as they heard that he was in the neighborhood and close by. This is also a story of the women, the widows in particular, whose community life was built together on shared experiences of the loss of their beloved Tabitha. It's important to know that it was the widows, the ones who were impacted by Tabitha's work, who wept for her when Peter showed up and highlighted her for her contributions. It was the women who acknowledged and validated her ministry. What does it mean to lose someone who was so important to our community? What about even in our family? We've got to keep their memories alive. And so when the women came and when Peter saw the women, the women showed the heirlooms that she made them. They kept her artifacts. They kept her personal keepsakes. They kept the things that Tabitha made them because they kept them close to their hearts because she was close to their hearts. They made sure her body was well cared for in the ritual of preservation. And yet still they had hope that she would get up. Hope, my brothers and sisters, is what fuels resurrection. When Peter enters the room, he dismisses all of the women from the room and calls Tabitha by name and tells her to get up. I believe there was hope in the women's assurance, in Peter's assurance, that he knew what was possible and what raising Tabitha up could look like. We need more men and women who have the hope that resurrection is possible. I don't know about you, but every now and then, life deals with some moments that look like death, but I need someone believing in community that things are going to get better. When I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling low, I need someone to speak over my body and tell me to get up. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, so speak life. Speak life over me. Speak life over our sisters. Speak life over the women right now, especially the mothers who feel dead on the inside and who are losing hope and need someone from the community just to say, hold on, my sister. God is going to work it out. Hold on, my sister, just a little while longer. Hold on, my brother, just a little while longer. We need to speak the power of Jesus over the lives of women and mothers in our community. Mothering is hard work. It's complicated, complex, and not always cookie cutter. Motherless can be, mothering can be a thankless job, and you wonder if the sacrifices are even worth it. I'm here to tell you, Tabitha, get up. I know it's hard, and I know America has got you down, but Tabitha, we need you. We need you to raise up Tabitha's spirits. Tabitha, go forth and get up. We need you to stand on Jesus' name. We need women who stand on the power of liberation. We need women who are not afraid to serve in the community. We need people who are not afraid to serve in the community. We need people who don't come pumped up just looking for titles and looking for positions, but we need people to get up who stand in the name of liberation. Tabitha, get up. We need Tabitha to get up and we need more brothers like Peter who understand their power and position to heal and not cause more harm. 
We need more brothers like Peter who understand their position and do not cause harm. Ah, uh, the recently departed Kevin Samuels. I had no idea this man was going to pass when I was writing this sermon, y'all. But I kept it in here because he just passed a few days ago. But we got to deal with a few things. Kevin Samuels was a relationship guru and a misogynist lifestyle coach who told women that they needed high-value men and degraded black women by calling single women over 27 leftovers. I don't know who you calling a leftover, but the last time I checked, black women were not meals for men's consumption, but we are full human beings. And quite frankly, to be connected to a black woman is a privilege and not a right. We need more people like Peter who can remember the ways of right teaching and who can call on sisters by her name and not out her name and remind her of who she is and tell her to get up when society has failed to keep her alive. Black women are literally dying, dying on jobs, dying in relationships, dying behind prison cells, dying in childbirth. But this man built his legacy on the backs of women who were spiritually dying and empowered men that this is how they should think. Newsflash, you don't have to tear a woman down for you to feel some sort of power. And if you have the tears of a, if you have to tear a woman down to feel power, you might want to reevaluate the source of that power because I can tell you this, it's surely not the power of the resurrection. Here's what gets me about Kevin Samuels. When he died, people didn't have no good things to say about him. People tore this man up. Now, I'm not saying that it's okay to celebrate people dying, but what I am saying is this. Be careful how you live your life. You ought to live life in a way that when people die, they should celebrate your legacy. Tabitha, when she died, the women celebrated her even though they had hope that she would resurrect. So my brothers, can you love women? Can you stand up for women without degrading her? What will your legacy be when it comes to the women? Ah, the news of Tabitha's, Tabitha's resurrection became known all over Joppa. Everyone heard how Peter raised her from the dead, and because of it, many people believed in the Lord. We have to ask ourselves, does our actions and our witness and our life lead to other people's belief? Do our actions point back to Jesus? Not only should our actions impact the people in the community around us, but does our existence transform their belief? We need to self-examine and see if our witness is pointing back to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I pray when people see you, St. Paul, when they see us, that they understand that we come in the name of a resurrected Savior. People ought to be transformed by our presence and our witness of Jesus. As I come closer to a close, Tabitha's story encourages us to consider that we ought to serve and care for the women in the midst especially the widows and the wolves who are most vulnerable. Tabitha's story considers, reminds us to consider what our legacy will be when we die. And Tabitha's story teaches us through the miracle performed by Peter that people ought to believe when it comes to our actions. Finally, the resurrection 
It's not just real for Jesus, but it's real for all who believe. Resurrection goes beyond Jesus' story. How might our living be examples of what's possible for someone else? How can we look at what feels like a dead situation and speak life? For this is not the first resurrection occurrence in the Bible. Dr. Wilda Gaffney says that resurrection represents the ultimate display of power in the world in the text and the power in the world of those who read the text. Resurrection weaves all throughout the scriptures as a witness to God's power. How do we, St. Paul, understand a resurrected life in Jesus and take that good news to everyone we meet by remembering that our lives are a living witness to that good news? One thing I believe is that if you can up lift a woman, you can uplift an entire generation. I believe if you can uplift a girl, you can change the course of an entire nation. We need more brothers like Peter and even sisters like Peter. Amen. Peter calling Tabitha to rise in this pivotal moment that we are in in our history. We have the power to enact change, St. Paul, real change. We all need to call on the power of those who showed us the way. We need to invoke the sacred memory of those who came before us. Peter was there when Jesus healed Jairus' daughter. Jesus is now the great ancestor, so Peter tapped into the sacred memory of a chief ancestor to heal this woman. What am I saying? I'm saying that the power of the resurrection for us comes when we invoke the power of Jesus into the space. Peter didn't know Tabitha personally or have a special connection with her to raise her up, but he did anyway. The same goes for us. We don't have to know someone intimately to raise them up, We, but we ought to remember that our ancestors taught us that when we tap into that sacred memory, anything is possible. What could happen if we all just believe that we could? Take a lesson from Tabitha's story and let's show up for a sister. Amen. Amen. Amen.